This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever, and you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rockstar with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. For brick-and-mortar retailers, it's become harder and harder to compete with online shopping. And this Black Friday, for example, was one of the worst for in-store shopping in recent years. But one industry has proven especially resilient to the shift online. For a long time, people kind of wanted to go into the stores like PetSmart to buy pet supplies. It was an industry that was really a bright spot for retail, even as other parts of retail started to decline. But near the end of 2016, PetSmart started to see the same fate— Its sales began to decline after an online rival started eating into its business. That online rival was a company called Chewy. Chewy posed a huge threat to PetSmart. But instead of going head-to-head against them, PetSmart decided to do something even bolder. Today on the show, how PetSmart swallowed Chewy. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. And I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Tuesday, December 3rd. Miriam Gottfried covers private equity. And she recently reported on the private equity takeover of one of the biggest brick-and-mortar pet supply stores in the U.S. In the early 2010s, the chairman of a private equity firm saw an opportunity at PetSmart. His name was Raymond Svider. He is... French. Like most private equity guys, he tends to wear suits. He's very smooth. He's very well educated. He has two engineering degrees and an MBA. And he has a pair of Siberian cats named Kashmir and Pearl. Svider noticed there was some clear room for improvement at PetSmart. PetSmart was doing well, but he thought it could do even better. In other words, he thought the company was poorly managed and he thought it could be improved operationally. For example, the company had been stocking the same number of winter coats for dogs at all of its stores, whether in the frigid Northeast or sunny California. So in 2015, Spider's firm bought PetSmart so that it could try to revamp the stores and hopefully turn a quick profit. The firm kind of had a view that the pet industry was a very robust industry and it was a good industry to be in. And PetSmart mostly had stores in good locations. So they wouldn't have to do a lot like closing stores that other retailers have done. So they paid a lot of money for it because they thought it's a good industry and there's some obvious things that we see we can change to make a quick buck. That's right. And they did. They made a a fair amount of money and they were able to pay themselves a dividend. And they thought, okay, great. This investment is going so well that everything's working exactly as we planned. But then, all of a sudden, in 2016, their sales started to decline. In a period of only three weeks, their same-store sales, which are basically just comparing the sales from a year earlier, went from flat to down almost 5%. So it was a very dramatic drop. And what was their initial suspicion about what had happened? They really didn't know. I mean, 
BC Partners knew about Amazon when they bought PetSmart. It's no secret that Amazon was (laughs) a pretty dominant force in e-commerce. And they also knew that Amazon sold a lot of pet supplies, but it wasn't a pet specialty store. And also nothing had changed in terms of the way Amazon was operating. It turned out that it wasn't Amazon because they were monitoring Amazon. Mm -hmm. It was another online competitor. And that was Chewy. Chewy. Tell me about Chewy. So Chewy was founded in 2011 by two young men who wanted to replicate the neighborhood pet store online. Basically, Ryan Cohen, who was one of the founders, he was 25 years old, and he decided after visiting a pet store to buy some food for his teacup poodle, Ty Lee, that he wanted to sort of replicate that warm, knowledgeable, intimate neighborhood experience, but in an online setting. That sounds very difficult. It does. It sounds kind of crazy, especially for a guy who didn't have a college education and had never run a business. In fact, he had never even had a job before. So the well-dressed MBA with two Siberian cats was losing market share to a 20-something poodle owner who'd never held a real job. Svider needed to make a move. PetSmart had barely gotten its e-commerce operations off the ground, and Svider knew it would be difficult to catch up to Chewy. Because over the few short years Ryan Cohen had been running Chewy, he had learned how to compete with big online retailers like Amazon. Ryan Cohen basically worked really hard to get the business off the ground. And once he got it to a certain point, he knew that in order to be successful, you needed to get scale. If you're too small, you don't have enough revenue to cover the significant fixed costs of running an e-commerce business. So that includes having your website, having your customer service center, having your delivery mechanism and your warehouses. Right, because if you start a store you start a retail store in your community, you can have a couple of employees, you can have a small amount of inventory, you can serve like a small market in your neighborhood or whatever. But if you're running a big website with servers and online fulfillment and shipping, you need a lot of inventory and a lot of customers. Otherwise, the business would never really work. And in fact, that's sort of what happened to Pets.com, which was a dot-com era predecessor of Chewy. Yeah, I remember those dog sock puppet commercials where the dog acted crazy. Today, we're coming to you from one crazy dog park. Now that you can get whatever you want at Pets.com, it's like Mardi Gras! And it was sort of notorious, actually. Yes, very notorious. It sort of became the poster child for the dot-com bubble. Yeah. And a big reason that it failed was it never got scale because people never really decided that they wanted to buy pet stuff online. And in fact, not that many people were buying anything online Mm -hmm. back then. And they ended up spending so much money on marketing and trying to acquire new customers that they just went out of business. So Ryan Cohen has this idea. He's starting it. He realizes he needs scale, but he also needs money. He also needs money. So he goes to Silicon Valley, to Sand Hill Road, and he starts meeting with venture capitalists. And remember, this is a guy in his 20s, kind of with no, like, previous experience, going to make pitches to venture capitalists and telling them Chewy wants to go head-to-head with Amazon and sell pet stuff online. And all of them are probably thinking, you're crazy. You want to go up against Amazon A and B, remember Pets.com, the notorious failure? And he really tried to convince them that he could compete with Amazon in two ways. 
One, by being a niche expert, by being a specialist in this area, in the area of pets. The second thing was customer service. Basically, Ryan Cohen decided that customer service could be a distinguishing factor. It could be a way that you compete against a behemoth like Amazon. He said, we can have much better customer service. We can be much more knowledgeable, just like the person in your neighborhood pet store. Mm -hmm. And how do investors, how do these VC funds respond to his pitch? He met with over 100 investors who said no. Wow, that's quite a few. Quite a few. And finally, someone said yes. In 2013, he got a $15 million investment from Volition Capital, which is a Boston-based venture capitalist. Mm -hmm. Okay. Volition saw that Chewy had really high customer retention rates. You know, the great thing about pet food is you have to keep ordering it. (laughs) Like every so often, Mm -hmm. you're going to run out and you need to buy more. So it's not like buying apparel. It's a repeat business, and Chewy was retaining a lot of that repeat business. And how were they able to retain a lot of that business? So Chewy had built out and continued to build out a customer service enterprise that involved hiring a lot of pet lovers to work in their offices and to be given a prominent place in the office near management. And the customer service representatives were empowered to do almost anything to help callers. They could offer them free things. They could talk to them for hours. They had no quotas of the certain number of people they needed to talk to. They were given free reign to sort of tend to the customer's needs. Sounds like very different customer service strategy than what most of corporate America employs, which is outsourcing it to vendors overseas or just generally not having good customer service. Yeah. I think the idea was to just be really human, to be as if you were the shopkeeper in the small store. Mm -hmm. And Chewy even went to the point of sending handwritten notes to customers. Handwritten notes. And Ryan Cohen, the CEO of the company, sent handwritten notes to customers. Like, (laughs) somebody emailed me after my article came out and said, I was one of the people who received a handwritten note from Ryan Cohen. Oh, wow. And then they became a customer for life? Or how did they respond? I mean— If you got that kind of treatment from a company, it would make you a lot more likely to keep buying your pet food there. Yeah, yeah. And they would also surprise some customers with oil-painted portraits of their pets. And so Ryan Cohen's gamble and his sort of thesis was that he could be disruptive by really investing heavily in customer service. Interesting. And did it work? It worked. Chewy's sales continued to skyrocket, and that— ended up taking its toll on the rest of the industry. Yeah, it started eating away at PetSmart. That's right. And that brings us to 2016, when PetSmart and its new owner, BC Partners, realized it was losing customers to Chewy. And once they figured out it was Chewy, what did they decide to do about it? Well, you know, at that point, they were in kind of a bind because they had always planned to invest more in building out a website for PetSmart, but they didn't think it would be such an urgent matter. They thought they would have time because at the time they bought PetSmart, very little pet supplies were bought online. This put Raymond Zweider in a pretty tough spot. He basically had two choices. One, try to get PetSmart to compete online. Or two, buy the competition, Chewy. Option one would require a ton of work to get its website, which wasn't very good, up to snuff. But option two was risky. Even though Chewy was selling a lot of pet supplies, it had a big problem. It was losing money. 
Chewy's business strategy was to spend lots of money up front on oil paintings of pets, long customer service calls, and promotional discounts to entice customers to come to Chewy. Chewy's hope was that these new customers would become loyal ones, leading Chewy on a path to long-term profitability. Buying a company like Chewy would be a very different strategy for a private equity firm like BC Partners. Private equity firms are very reluctant to buy money-losing companies. It just kind of goes against the ethos of what a private equity firm would normally do. Mm -hmm. Why? What Um, do private equity firms normally do? They normally want to buy businesses that can support a large debt load. And in order to support a large debt load, you need to be making money. In general, everybody thought it was kind of a crazy idea. Even Raymond Spider said everybody told him it, it was nuts. Despite all the objections, Spider decided to start courting Chewy anyway. Raymond Spider had met Ryan Cohen the year before, so he reached out to him and said, hey, would you be interested in a sale? And, you know, at the time, Ryan, he knew Chewy was going to be big. He was on a path to IPOing Chewy. So he kind of had to think about it. This deal would be risky for Spider and Cohen. How their conversation went? That's after the break. Welcome back. While Raymond Spider had made up his mind to buy Chewy, Ryan Cohen, Chewy's CEO, was still on the fence about whether he wanted to sell. His company was on the way to an IPO, and with the buzz around the company building, going public had the potential to be a huge payday. But there were also some reasons for Cohen to avoid the risk of an IPO and take Spider's cash. Because even though Chewy had found some success in taking on Amazon, the stock market was still pretty skeptical of e-commerce companies. Etsy was kind of struggling. Mm -hmm. People were not sure of whether Amazon would drown it out because Amazon immediately launched sort of an Etsy competitor. There was Wayfair that was also not trading very well. And those were sort of seen as the main comparable companies that were already public. And then Ryan had some personal issues in his life. He had just had a baby. His father had a major heart attack. So he said, okay, I'll ask for a really high price. He basically went to PetSmart with the price that he wanted and the terms that he wanted. And those terms were, I want $3.35 billion in cash. Wow. Spider went back to discuss this with BC Partners It wasn't an easy decision. Remember, the company wasn't even turning a profit yet. But Chewy was getting other offers. So eventually, Spider caved. They ended up paying $3.35 billion, which at the time was the record for an e-commerce company. So it was a lot of money to pay. Cohen got exactly the number he wanted. BC Partners made one of the largest e-commerce deals in history. Is that surprising that they decided to go forward with it? It's really surprising, and the reason is basically because he's going to have to go to his investors and say, look, I bought this really fast-growing company that's eating into our sales, but it doesn't make money, and I'm taking on new debt in order to buy it. Meanwhile, they were worried about the fate of PetSmart and what this said about what was happening at the core business of PetSmart. Spider had taken a pretty serious gamble. BC Partners took on $2 billion in debt in order to make this deal work. And in the early months post-acquisition, PetSmart's bond prices began to plummet 
signaling investors were worried that the company might go bankrupt. And Chewy, it kept losing money. But... It is Chewy celebrating its IPO today. So in June of this year, PetSmart was able to take Chewy public. And on the first day of trading, its shares shot up. It did amazingly well. Say investors' tails are wagging over this <laughs> IPO, like you said. And up. by the end of the day, it was worth over thirteen billion dollars. Thirteen billion dollars, even though they paid three point three five. Three point three five. So uh-huh. that ten billion dollar paper gain that BC Partners experienced on that first day of trading was almost a record. It was among the top returns that a private equity firm has ever gotten on an IPO. There's a very short period of time to make $10 billion. Very short. Basically, it shows that BC Partners was able to recognize value in Chewy that the market didn't see. Because remember, at the time when they paid $3.35 billion, people thought that was crazy. Uh-huh. And a mere two years later, it was worth $10 billion more. Mm-hmm. And this was one of those deals. It's just one of those deals where It could have failed, and it skated on the edge of failure, and then it ricocheted upward. And if you think back to the most successful private equity deals of all time throughout history, I think they share one thing in common, which is that they skate on the edge of failure, and then something, be it luck, smart timing, or an ingenious investor, they shoot up. And something occurs that sort of causes them to, instead of plummeting downward, to take a really positive turn. Slider had bought a rival and it worked. But the hard part actually came next, because he needed to figure out how he could let Chewy and PetSmart coexist without eating into one another. He basically started to focus on things that PetSmart could do that Chewy couldn't do. And a big one is the in-store services. So PetSmart offers grooming, doggy daycare, veterinary services. So the more you can emphasize those services, the more you can sort of create a differentiator for your brick-and-mortar stores. So what are the lessons from all of this? For retailers, there is a strategy that could work. I mean, it's still not fully tested. Chewy doesn't make money yet. But there is a strategy that could work for competing with Amazon. And that strategy has to do with differentiating yourself, becoming maybe more of a specialist in a certain area, and maybe, two, customer service. Maybe that is the key to being able to differentiate yourself from the behemoth in the e-commerce space. Yeah, the way to fight the everything store is to become the only this thing store. Exactly. Exactly. I think it's the most promising way that we've seen. You know, in my years of writing about retail and private equity, I think that has been the best strategy that I've seen companies try to employ, which is Niche specialization, as you said, don't be the everything store, be the one particular thing store, and knowledgeable, warm customer service that actually gives people what they want.
That's all for today, Tuesday, December 3rd. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like the show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.